You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jesper, and this is episode 101 of the Am Writing Fantasy podcast. Imagine that. We passed 100 episodes. I think that's absolutely amazing. And perhaps Autumn is off celebrating today or something. I don't know, but at least he's not here. But I have a very competent backup in place. So today I'm joined by Dave, and we are going to discuss how to go about note-taking and also how to keep track of your story and your world. So welcome to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, Dave. Thank you, Jesper. I appreciate it. And congratulations on reaching 101. I'm, I'm, I'm actually deeply honored to be your 101st uh, uh, episode guest. Uh, yeah. That's outstanding. That's, that's an achievement. Congratulations. Yeah. And imagine that we have actually succeeded in releasing podcast episodes every Monday for 101 Mondays in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, that's tempting fate. When you, when you think about the <laughs> reputation that Mondays have, you have literally defied reality with this podcast, Jasper. Well done. <laughs> it seems so. <laughs> but maybe to start us out, Dave, maybe you can just tell us a bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. I'm uh, uh, I God, the, the 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 mosaic that is Dave Robinson is a broad and vast uh, <laughs> thing. Uh, I uh, currently I'm a I'm a voice actor. Uh, uh, I have a, a website uh, that I just launched to to initiate my professional voice acting career. Uh, right. And I've uh, done, I've done some audio fiction uh, narrations and so on. Um, but more specifically, and certainly more germane to, uh, to this podcast, uh, I ran a podcast for uh, several years called the Roundtable Podcast, later the Archivos Podcast Network, where uh, we would brainstorm story ideas. Uh, we'd invite veteran authors on and interview them about their craft and then bring uh, another writer on to pitch a story idea. And we'd brainstorm it. And it was marvelous. And that, uh, that exposed me to a, a broad spectrum of creative process, as, as you no doubt have discovered in your own interviews. Uh, uh, everybody does things a little differently. But there's yeah. at, at a certain level, there, is a, there are certain commonalities uh, between our processes, uh, uh, even even a discovery writer who's who's writing off the cuff, uh, uh, there's there seems to be some level of documentation or uh, uh, record keeping or journaling something that allows the writer to perceive the story that they're writing in some way, shape, or form, and I looked around at the technologies and the websites that are out there, and I realized there was no tool that was really geared towards uh, documenting a story the way we think about stories. I mean, you've got wikis, you've got Microsoft Word, and, and so on and so forth, but these are like walls of text. And we don't think about stories that way when we're writing them. There are these ideas that are kind of globbed together and interconnected and, and woven together. So I... Uh, hired some developers and we created Archivos, A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S, which is a tool that allows writers to 
document the story elements of their stories and then connect them via the relationships that link them into the larger fabric of the story they're telling. So you can actually see your story the way you think about your story. Uh, so, so that's, that's been, uh, uh, my, my primary focus, uh, uh, over, over the last several years, I was on hiatus for a while with some, with some family health issues. Uh, uh, but we're gearing up the development cycle again for Archivos. Uh, and I'm looking forward to exploring more ways of how writers, document their stories and, and how those documents uh, can actually foster additional storytelling. Yeah, and I, I have to tell you, Dave, in your, on your website, um, the example stuff you have on, on the front page, uh, you got me there because for some reason you put Lord of the Rings there and then I was, I was like, okay, this is good <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> I know my demographic. I know, I, I mean, I'm with you. I am, I am, I am a, I'm a deep sci-fi fantasy nerd. Uh, I've, I, my community, my people, uh, my tribe within the, the social network is also very deeply nerdy and fantasy and science fiction role-playing games and so on. Yeah. Uh, so naturally, <laughs> when I step into this this industry, uh, there's going to be a strong fantasy flavor. And Lord of the Rings is a perfect demonstration of how Archivos can can help unravel and and uh, illuminate uh, a story structure. Yeah, because it, Lord of the Rings is also a good example from the point of view that it, it's fairly complex. You know, you have a, right. a lot of characters, a lot of places. A lot of plot points really going on, and and so documenting it um, is, is. But but maybe I, I want to maybe just start taking a step back because once we're talking uh, about documenting, the word world building bible often comes up <laughs> if you search on the internet. Yeah, and I think maybe we should. Well, world building bible in its essence, it's just a way you could say a document you could have a software for it whatever but it's a way where you basically keep track of the information you need to tell your stories in your setting but i think maybe a good place to start would be to discuss a bit do you need a world building bible and then we can get into the tools of documenting afterwards but do you need it is it important what what do you think about that i i well as as we both observed everybody does this differently uh, uh, do you need it? Is it essential? No, I don't think so. And and that, that might seem counterintuitive considering I created a world-building <laughs> Bible tool. Uh, but you honestly don't. I know several writers who have told their story uh, uh, and, and narrow their focus of the world to exclusively the perspective of the characters and the events of that story. And that absolutely works and that creates a very specific type of narrative that's that's very intimate very very uh focused on the characters which is always a good thing however and especially as you observe when you're getting into things like lord of the rings or epic fantasy when when history uh influences current events as it so very often does not just in <laughs> fantasy but in in real life uh when you have political uh, ambitions that are involving large groups of people or organizations. Inevitably, I think those narratives become very complicated. And in order to serve your reader in terms of presenting uh, a consistent and nuanced narrative 
within that complexity, I really think a world Bible is essential. Yeah, I think I view it as a bit of where do you want to put in your time, right? Because if you, as soon as, I mean, if you're just writing one novel or or let's say two or three novel at the most in that setting, you can probably keep track of most things without too much trouble. Uh, without having to build a full world building bible and and, and whatnot but sure. if we if we're talking about several series in the same world or a massive uh, tome like lord of the rings uh, where it's <laughs> yeah. very complex or something like that um i i think i would look at it in the way of as i said where do you want to put in your time do you want to document it up front so you can easily find things as you go about your plotting or your writing or, or whatever? Or do you want to spend the time in your editing afterwards and, and finding all the, all the details that you've forgotten and going through p- the past uh, three books to find what was this character called or what was that place called and and what was the culture of those people that I described through two books ago and whatnot, right? <laughs> so. I mean, that's a way to do it as well. But I, I think I look at very much at the world building Bible as an effectiveness tool. You know, it's, it just makes you more effective because very you can quickly so. look things up and, okay, it's this and go on, move on, right? Most definitely. Most definitely. And and in your in your unique case with your uh, team writing with Autumn, uh, uh, the wonderful thing about a world building Bible is that it creates a vocabulary that you both are using. So yeah. continuity and consistency and collaboration, uh, a world-building Bible suddenly is a tool where you don't have to to sit down with somebody for four hours and give them your full scope and vision of your world. You can <laughs> hand them a, 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 a document or, or an archival setting or whatever and say, here you go. These are the, the tent poles of this narrative that we're working with. So for, from a collaboration standpoint, uh, uh, it's incredibly valuable as well. Yeah, and also for, for readers, I mean, I, I think most of us fantasy writers, well, probably all of us, we read fantasy as well. And I think one of the things we have very much in common is that we all love the world-building stuff. So if I can get a let's say, a link to maybe an archivist uh, setting page of uh, Lord of the Rings or Dragonlands or whatever other setting I might be in love with. And I can start diving into all those world-building details that the authors have put in there that a lot of it, of course, won't even be in the books, but there's a lot of background stuff there. I I think that's something that will appeal a lot to readers as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we've we've come into an age uh, where... Reading the end of a book, while that may be the end of your specific engagement with the the story itself, uh, uh, we actually, I think, come to expect that there should be a little bit more out there. There should be some some background information, some some uh, uh, maybe some short stories or flash fiction that may be derived in this story setting. And writers today have those tools at their disposal with a few clicks of a mouse to have a, a site or, or some sort of supplemental information that just enriches the experience of that story for the readers. And it's just, it's good marketing to have that collateral material available. And it's also good marketing from a pre-setup standpoint. If you can put up a, a here are the main characters, not spoilerific, but you know, let people have a taste of, of this character's personality or or a map of your world. Oh, God, maps. 
Don't get me started on maps. We're, no. <laughs> we're, we're fantasy nerds. If there's a map on the front space of, of a book, I'm there, man. Uh, so you give me an intriguing map with some cool place names that ask questions, that raise questions in my mind, I'm hooked. And what a great way to entice readers to come into your world. Yeah, I wrote a whole uh, guidebook on how to do fantasy maps, so that's a particular <laughs> love of mine too. <laughs> well, it's astonishing. There's like I can list three utilities off the top of my head uh, uh, that are now out there for creating really beautiful fantasy yeah. maps. Yeah, that's true. So, and we were talking earlier uh, before we started recording about the advent of technology and the wonders that it's unlocked uh, uh, for storytellers, and I think that just that just keeps going. That just keeps continuing. Yeah. So maybe we maybe we take a look at so what are some of the possible ways if if we assume now that okay, world building bible it's a good thing to have. Yes. So what are some of the possibilities on how to document and I think we can end up with the online version uh, at, uh, afterwards uh, after mentioning a few other alternatives because Archivos is an online version. Exactly. So we can end up there and talk a bit more about that but I want to say for a start that when I did my first trilogy, I tried with physical binders and I have no idea why I got that idea into my head, <laughs> but what a mess. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would imagine uh, uh, the, organiz- the organization really becomes <laughs> the challenge at that point. Uh, uh, and, and so when you're sitting down to world build, and again, you know, th- there is no one way to do it, but... Think about what your objectives are in creating this world Bible. Uh, uh, And I think continuity is probably one of the biggest reasons to do it. So you have a reference to the places, the events, the characters, whatever it is that you want to be able to access very quickly. So there needs to be some sort of organizational structure that allows you to identify, you know, if you are going to do binders, then you need, you need subfolders in there for characters uh, and maybe even breaking that down further. It depends on how, how detailed and, and granular you want to get, but you can have your antagonists, your protagonists, your support characters, your romantic interests, uh, uh, but being able to quickly access that information uh, so that you don't break your flow when you're writing. Uh, uh, you know, when when the words are flowing, it's like, yeah, get it, get it, get it, get it. This I don't stop me. Do not interrupt me. I'm in the zone. Uh, and and when that's happening, and you get to that point where, what is that tavern keeper's name from that tavern? Just put in TK or some code for yourself yeah. in the document, so you can come back to it later. But once once the the steam has has blown off and you're you're sitting back basking in the thousands of words you just wrote, then you can go back search those things, and you want your Bible to be able to give you the answers you need without a lot of digging. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the other issue with with the physical binders is that uh, once you think of more or you need to develop something more. All of a sudden, magically, that particular page in the binder is already full, and you can't get, get more room. I don't know why it always happens. It's that one page that is full when you not start right. to add more. <laughs> right. That's the way exactly. Well, and and actually, that raises a good point. I mean, there's uh, uh, some people will get by with just note cards, and uh, I think I've seen Cameron Hurley's uh, uh, note card board is is epic. 
but it is just note cards. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes all you need is a reference. And in this case, um, with a Scrivener, uh, is wonderful as a tool for creating those note cards where you can just put a couple of notes to to remind you of the the tone or flavor that this character evokes or a key moment that you want to have in this event that foreshadows some grand reveal in chapter 20 or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, it can be just a matter of having a board with note cards that are color-coded or maybe you got stickers or whatever. Everybody, I think, creates their own shorthand because everybody's brain is wired differently. But you yeah. need to develop, I think, that vocabulary with your brain so that the symbols or the colors or the icons that you use for, for recognition speak to you and, and not necessarily try and adapt your brain to somebody else's uh, structure system. Create your own. Yeah, the system is the key word there, I think, because of course, I mean, I want to say as well, the Scrivener is wonderful, because if you're writing a Scrivener already, you are in the same data depository, if you could call it that, right? I mean, you, you can sure. look up what you need quite easily, whereas if it's if it's stuck inside a spreadsheet or Word document, if we just move away from the physical binders here. <laughs> but that also becomes very messy. As soon as you have a larger world with a lot of details in it, searching in a Word document is a nightmare. Yes. Scrolling back and forth and all that stuff. So yeah. also their Scrivener is better. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And, and the other thing... Jesper, uh, that I find so fascinating about the world building process, because I'm a I'm a world building junkie. I'm I'm actually I I need world builders anonymous. I need the other direction because I will be you know I'll be drafting a, a a story of some kind. It might be a, a narrative for a role playing game or whatever. I'm a big advocate of history informing present day and and I think the the revelation of history and the assumed truth of the past and the true truth truth true truth that's good <laughs> the true <laughs> truth of the past the actual uh, facts of the past um i think that's an intriguing that's always an intriguing uh, uh narrative twist so i end up looking at the the current uh terrain of the story that i want to tell then i start digging into the background and the history that led up to the current circumstances whatever they might be and inevitably, that history is so cool that I think, oh, no, wait, my actual story is back here. I'm going to go back 100 years to right. tell this story. And, and you know, it's an endless cycle, just an endless cycle. But I think the point is, is that by uh, investing some of your story cycles, some of your bandwidth as a writer in understanding the history of your world – I think, and I have found this certainly, that it generates, uh, uh, first of all, more story ideas, lots of intriguing yeah, things to pursue, but it also allows you to give your current story set in the current time uh, those subtle uh, anchors into a past that I think puts makes a world seem more authentic puts it in a continuum of a long history uh, uh, that I think gives it a sort of reverence or, or certainly, like I say, a, a certain authenticity. So I, I always enjoy immersing myself in that in some way. And I think it, I think it makes stories better. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the fact that you have developed the, the world building details also allows you to, you know, you might drop a, a certain name of a, a guild or group or something from, from the other country, neighboring country or something like that. But you would never have been able to do that without the world building. And exactly. a lot of the times you don't even share the details about what that is. But to the reader, it just seems like, okay, there's a full world just behind the horizon here if I could just look at it. But I know it's there and it makes it a lot more immersive. Exactly, um, exactly. So I think that's wonderful. And uh, But maybe nowadays, at least, uh, we were talking about technology a moment ago. <laughs> nowadays, we have a lot of online possibilities to document our world and, and do sure. our world building Bible in a online fashion. Many many years ago, I I used Obsidian Portal for a bit, and I think right. Archivos is probably very similar in many ways. Um, but apart from documenting it online, I think one of the real benefits of something like Archivos is the links between things, because you don't have to scroll through million documents. To, you can, I think, click your way through right exactly. from characters to places and to story hooks and so on. Exactly. Yeah, and that and that's very much the experience that we wanted. Uh, uh, you're you're you you create a character. I mean, you start by creating a single story element, and it can be a character, an organization, a place, an event, whatever. Uh, and that's that's how it always starts with one thing, and then this other thing. They did this event. Okay, so now we have an event, and then you connect that. That event took place at a location. Well, I need a I need a story element for that. And now you've got this continuity between this character, this event, and this location. And then other characters participated in, in that event. Other events happened at that location. And you get this rich sense of context, of, of, of history and uh, perspective on the key elements of your story that I think as a writer uh, uh, gives you a much uh, clearer grip on how those elements impact your story. Yeah. And probably also the other thing I think from a creative point of view is that once you start connecting those dots, that's sometimes where you'll get a spur of inspiration for something else. Oh, by the way, if I connect these <laughs> and these dots, then that makes a whole new level of, of stuff that could happen, right? Exactly. Or, wow, this guy, this these two characters were at this same location at the same time. And right. I never yeah. mentioned that in the story. From a continuity standpoint, that would be something you'd want to put in there. And the fact that they do engage, how does that affect your narrative? How does that change the story? Is it cool? Excellent. Keep going. Find more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. And and, and so it, it's almost, I mean, one thing is documenting your world, but but it's also like a brainstorming tool almost. It very much is. It very much is. And and like I say, it's it's an opportunity to see those connections, that, that network of association. Uh, within the story elements of your your stories of your novels, and these and the thing that it just excites me the most about this is that you know history is just a story that actually happened. So you can take actual historical eras, epochs, and put them into archivos and use that as a reference uh, for you know if you're doing an alternate history or if you're doing you know an urban fantasy and it's set in a specific time and you want to incorporate actual historical events you can load mm. those in as well and have that service oh crap this is when uh, Kennedy is 
shot or you know this is when uh, uh this thing happened or whatever uh and now suddenly you're anchoring your narratives within the actual world history and you can have a sense of of confidence that you're doing so accurately which is cool yeah 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 for, absolutely but um so you mentioned there of course you can document your characters your places and and, and those story elements there but is there other things that that is Archivists can do maybe that is a bit more uh, should we call it nice or, or good compared <laughs> to what you can, yeah yeah indeed <laughs> well we have we basically have three views within the application we've got the story web which just shows you the connection of everything um, characters events organizations places all of that we also have the living map which allows storytellers to upload a map of a country, upload a map of a city, upload a map of a building, uh, and then tag elements on that map so you can see where this event happened or uh, uh, this city is in this country and then allowing you to drill down from a, from a country view down to a city view, down to a neighborhood view or what have you. So you've got this, this massive sense of geographical continuity uh, for your narrative. And then you've got the timeline, which we were talking about earlier, is essential to making sure that the the sequence of things unfolds uh, nicely. You get to see the overlap, because uh, events can take place over several days, uh, a battle or something. And you'll be able to see you know, where the various events of your story are overlapping. Uh, uh, are you putting a character in two places at the same time? That would be bad. Uh, <laughs> Archivos lets you see that. Um, so lots of visualization tools. We're actually in the process of expanding uh, uh, the app uh, in a couple of ways. One of them allowing people to create their own custom story element types. Uh, we we took this big 40,000 foot view and we just went with characters, organizations, places, uh, uh, very broad categories of story element type. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from people saying, yeah, but I want a creature's story element type. I want a story element type just for the monsters in my world. Right. Or, or if you're doing uh, uh, you know, a naval battle or sci-fi ship battle, I want ships as a story element type. So we're, we're, we're currently developing uh, the way to allow you, our, our storytellers to create their own story element types. That, that customize it to their narrative that they're telling. Um, custom relationships also, those, those connections, it's not just a line between two characters. Uh, we allow you to define that line somewhat, uh, familial, professional, personal. But again, we took this very high-level view because trying to figure out what anybody and everybody wants is a nightmare because everybody does stuff <laughs> different. It would be this massively long list of all the different relationship types. So we're going to allow you to create your own relationships too. So you can customize that list to, to tailor it towards your uh, uh, narrative, the type of stories you're telling. Um, and then the third thing we're doing is we're introducing a very uh, uh, intriguing uh, tagging function where you can tag events or characters or whatever. For example, uh, chapter one. I want to tag this event in chapter one. And then you can do a filter to show me just the story elements in chapter one or book one hmm. or whatever. And you can have multiple tags and then filter and dis uh, filter your displays 
by those tagged elements, which I think is really going to help uh, storytellers be able to uh, organize and group their story elements by whatever criteria they want to. But specifically, you know, what, what happened in chapter one? Okay, here's the chapter one story elements. Here are the events and the characters, yada, yada. I think that's going to help a lot in terms of being able to refine your vision of your story, because as you as you observed, things like Lord of the Rings get big quick, <laughs> and, and I have found that to be true in Archivos as well. As I'm writing, it's like, ooh, and I need to put in this and this and this, and this network becomes can become cumbersome. We've got uh, uh, Game of Thrones in there, uh, <laughs> and when it first loads up, it's like kaboom! All these elements just blah. so being able to filter that is probably a good thing. Yeah, and I noticed as well I, that I think you allow for quite a lot of pictures and stuff like that, so you can make it look nice as well, isn't that right? Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, we we well, definitely pictures. Uh, we we talked earlier about how you you, uh, you the iconography that you use or the symbols or the colors, what have you. Um, we wanted to make sure that you could upload uh, images for the little avatar that appears, and also a, a big image in there. But then we added a gallery option. So if you've got a bunch of photo references for a place, for example, you can just upload all 20, 30, however many you want. They're right there at your fingertips. You can upload PDFs. So if you've got uh, uh, documents of some kind or text files, uh, you can uh, uh, link to audio or video files. So if there's a reference of some kind that exists in a different media format, you can link that to the profile for each story element. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that the storytellers could, whatever references they felt would inspire them in their storytelling, that they would be easily accessible within the Archivos framework, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, that also allows it to be much more interesting for, like we talked about before, for sharing with readers and stuff like that. Because once it start looking nice, then it becomes more than just this sort of online wiki, like Wikipedia, where you just click around for different text elements. But all of a sudden, it starts it starts looking like a lot more than that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I've even advocated, I've started doing this uh, with some of the Escape Artists podcasts. Podcasts are just a story as well. Hmm. And you could actually put, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've been working on getting the uh, Archivos podcast network uh, uh, loaded into Archivos. What a novel idea. Uh, and then being able to link the episodes directly in the, uh, uh, in, in the story elements of that narrative. So, yeah, right. very much so. Very much so. And, and, and again, those, those, um, those opportunities to engage with your readers. As, as you have found, as every writer has found, there's a lot of material that ends up on the cutting room floor. Uh, there are scenes that get axed because they don't necessarily drive the narrative forward. Uh, uh, there's a lot of deleted scenes uh, uh, in, in story writing. Archivos gives you an opportunity to put those deleted scenes up. Uh, you can actually include them as uh, uh, that that collateral material about uh, a book or a story or a character or what have you. So a lot of that storytelling that we as storytellers do that the readers, our audiences, don't necessarily always hear, now you have a place that you can share that 
in the context of this is a deleted scene, it didn't make it. But if you want to read more about this event or this character, this is available to you. So it gives you that as well. Mm. And on the flip side of that, are you also able to hide stuff that, uh, for example, if readers get a link, they can't see this in this part Absolutely. if you want to keep it hidden? Yes, most definitely. There is uh, uh, all, all elements as you create them are by default shown, but there is a checkbox for hide this element. Uh, so, for example, if you've got a new book coming out uh, and you want to set up the Archivos setting to just bam, uh, uh, expose all of these new characters and new elements to your story setting in Archivos. You can do that in advance, hide those elements, and then, you know, on release day or whatever, or maybe even to patrons, you know, just to a limited group of individuals. Uh, uh, you know, if you have a mailing list, for example, uh, you can make it so that only they can see that. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of opportunities to uh, uh, not only stage your story setting, but also schedule uh, uh, and and roll out elements of your story setting within the app. Yeah, and you mentioned app there. So does that mean that you can also do it on, on your phone and stuff like that? Or do you have to have access to a browser? Right now, we are, we are exclusively desktop. Uh, okay. There are plans to... Um, actually, I think what we're going to end up having doing is after we complete this next round of development, I think we're going to look at doing a Kickstarter because we very much want to create an app for the phone and for the iPad uh, or for tablets as well, for phones and tablets. But as you've seen in the app, Jesper, uh, it's big and it, yeah, doesn't it, yeah. it doesn't translate well to a phone display. So we need to revise the interface and do a lot of user uh, uh, dialogue to figure out what features need to be accessible within the phone uh, because the full feature set just it doesn't make sense in that in that tiny screen. Uh, no, so. I agree, and I I mean just take the example of, of the Lord of the Rings stuff. I mean the, the the connection map there is is massive as well, and you don't want to do that on a screen. But I was more thinking in the terms of and and of course you can take this as an idea if you want or not. But, Please. <laughs> but uh, I was more thinking in the way that because I think as the creator or the world builder. I think you want to do it on the computer browser anyway because you need the bigger space and, and you need to be able to see all those connection dots. And right. when you do write the, the different story elements, you, you I think it'll, you'll just be more comfortable doing at the computer versus uh, versus on an app on a phone. But I was more thinking about the phone app as something for the audience, basically, like the reader stuff, where you don't need all the stuff that, that the writer basically needs, but more like this is a way where I have an app on my phone. I'm just going to use Dragonlance here because I love that setting. But if I <laughs> if I had a Dragonlance app and I could just like open it up and check the character here and check that, but maybe I don't can't see everything, but, but that would probably for hardcore fans, that would be lovely, I think. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. And I could see, you know, uh, a little... Uh little hamburger menu up in the corner where if you're looking at you know Raistlin then you can you can flip uh, uh, swipe with your with your thumb and here are all the story elements associated with Raistlin so you don't necessarily see the dynamic display but those associations and the ability to navigate through them remains consistent I like that I think that's a great idea yeah yeah that, that might be a good idea <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I'll, you, can, I'll bring, you can steal it. That's I'll okay. I'll bring that to the boys. Absolutely. I'll give, <laughs> yeah. you, full, I'll give you full credit. Full credit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, but is there anything else uh, that, that I've forgotten to ask you about around Archivist that you want to mention as well, Dave? No, this is this has been marvelous. I, I obviously I'm not exactly a, a, a shy retiring wallflower when it comes to talking about this thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do love this app, and I'm con- I'm I'm confident in its ability to help storytellers uh, uh, not necessarily tell better stories, but tell stories better. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I, that just popped out of my head. I'm going to stick with that. I like that. <laughs> um, so uh, no, I think I think we've I think we've covered all of the high points. Um, but just to just to reiterate uh, uh, that everybody does this differently, and and that needs to be you know. I'm always I'm always leery of someone mandating that this is the way something must be done. Uh, creativity doesn't work that way. Humanity doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a good tool is a tool that can adapt itself to your unique vision and perspective of your process. And that's very much what we try to do with uh, Archivos and are continuing to try to do as we continue to develop the app and try and make it a, a better and better tool. Yeah, and, and you can of course make it as complex as you want as as the creator, or you can keep it as simple as you want. And exactly. I think that that's one of the nice things with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, but I'll put uh, a link to Archivus in the show notes for the listeners if they want to go and check it out. Then S- they can. Splendid, thank you. And if there's anything else you want to me to link to Dave in the show notes, just email it to me, and then I'll put it in there as well. Yeah, my my uh, my voice acting website is butterymanvoice.com <laughs> so uh, yeah we'll throw yeah definitely I will I will link you I will I will email you thank you all right all right and then uh, I want to thank Dave for joining today and uh, dear listener then uh, Autumn will be back next week and we will try to have one of our usual good topics available for you if you like what you just heard there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.